So here we are already, week five of this, our Lenten theme of metanoia. We've been called to explore these stories of change, of turning around, changing directions, whether literally or figuratively. And so often when a change occurs, there's a before and an after, right? There's a change, things are different. To use our image from Nick, you have the caterpillar and the butterfly. But on closer inspection, you'll also notice, and I love Nick's detail, you'll notice those few stages in between. Now, does anyone else wonder what it looks like inside that cocoon or inside that chrysalis, like in this in-between time, just me? It's got, there's gotta be all kinds of weird and fascinating and strange-looking phases between that caterpillar and the butterfly or moth that emerges. I'm sure it's messy and gooey and weird. But anyway, I feel like it's these stages we find ourselves in most often. Are we ever really completely caterpillar or moth or butterfly? We're always in some stage of growing and changing. So we're in this process of change. Now for this caterpillar, maybe that change is natural. It is just the progression, the way it is programmed, the, it's what must be done. But for us, for humans, does change come so naturally? I feel like left to our own self-interests and preferences, would we ever feel compelled to change? I've been thinking about this, and specifically when it comes down to it, what actually is the catalyst for these kinds of life changes, for personal growth? What sparks that in us? Now I wanna to talk tonight about what I believe is oftentimes the necessary ingredient, ingredient for change, for us anyway, and that is confrontation. In our stories already, we've heard confrontation between the elder son and his father. Jonah is first confronted by his shipmates, the others on the boat, and then finally confronts the Ninevites themselves. And yes, in our story tonight, which I think maybe we should, we should just give it an R, the story of David is, is rated R, 100%. <laughs> in our story tonight, Nathan holds the mirror up to David to confront him with what he's done. So I want to invite us to look at both parties when it comes to situations of confrontation. I believe as people, there's opportunity for growth no matter which side of the encounter we find ourselves on. Are we the one pointing the, out the flaws of the other? Are we the one confronted with our own failures or wrongdoings. My dad has always told me that one of the hardest parts of life, and you can't escape it, is having to deal with other people. And I believe that together, as a world still kind of, sort of, emerging, but not quite out of this pandemic life towards what 
maybe next. In the midst of this global shift, I believe that's only gotten harder. It's gotten hard to deal with ourselves, as maybe we've been forced into too much time alone. It's gotten even harder, as hard as it was in the first place, to deal with others, as our social interactions have been thrown off, cut short, and altered. So I think we have ample opportunity to emerge from this in new ways. But right now, we're in that chrysalis, we're in that cocoon, somewhere messy and mixed up. So I want you to hear me out. First and foremost, my point tonight is not to send you all out as Nathan's saying, I have a message from God, here's what you've done wrong, and this is why. That's not the point. More often than not, if we're honest, I believe we're David, right? We've messed up big time. Yet if and when we feel so deeply moved to speak to someone else about their actions, I hope, I really, really hope that maybe we can change the way in which we encounter others. That we would speak up, but do so with love and with as pure as possible intentions and with room for grace. And that when being confronted, we aren't so quick to raise up our shields or lash back. As I said, most often, you know, let's just default to being David, right? So confession. I've been quick to point out what others should do without first considering how I might need to evaluate my own actions. I am guilty of being reluctant to give out of my own resources. I've downloaded music illegally. I've damaged relationships with friends and family members. I have been called and called other people a hypocrite. These are uncomfortable things for me to admit. I still get warm and kind of, you know, my heart beats. I get uncomfortable bringing them up. But from each of these situations, I feel like I've learned something and that hopefully am slightly, maybe a fraction, a bit better because of them. Now for each circumstance, I can think of at least one specific memory of a confrontation. And in most cases, not all, but most, I'm grateful that I've experienced what I've heard labeled a call in rather than being called out. For example, most recently, Kala, our daughter, told me oh so lovingly, Dad, yeah, Kala, I think you eat tortilla chips more than you shower. <laughs> Thanks, Kala. Thanks. I think you eat tortilla chips more days than you take showers. Great. Thanks. Thanks. I'll think about it. So this experience of being called in, you know, taken aside oh so lovingly, I can take no credit for that term. Being called in is language I heard uh, good friend Joe Davis use. Joe has spent time with our young people here. Uh, he's a nationally touring spoken word artist. Um, he likes to refer to it and frame these encounters as calling people in. 
Because let's be honest, one of the most uncomfortable experiences in life is being confronted by someone, even your own child, about an issue they observe. Or depending on the dynamic between those two, maybe even being the one to speak up is uncomfortable. As we heard in our story tonight, Nathan is sent by God to confront David about his wrongdoing. Now in this instance, again, the issue at hand was that David had seen a woman and lusted after her so much so that he had her husband killed by means of the enemy army. David then took that wife, wife Bathsheba, for himself. Yikes. Rated R, like I said. So Nathan is sent to help David see that this was, of course, horrible. Sure, David probably knew it was wrong, even felt guilty. But he couldn't stop himself, could he? So Nathan, even though he is sent by God, still he doesn't come yelling at David. David has committed adultery and murder. But Nathan does not come yelling at David, calling him out as we would like to see happen. Rather, he comes to David with a story, a parable, as an example. Sound familiar? And of course, in this abstract test, David is quick to condemn the person in the story doing wrong. And then, in turn, as Pastor Chad read, Nathan calls him in to say, This is you. Now, being called in, as I've said, is not my terminology. All credit goes to Joe Davis. And while Joe does many amazing things, what I'd like to highlight is how through his work and social skills, Joe is a gifted individual at helping people and communities see where they are at in terms of radical equity and inclusion and help them imagine and identify steps to take to move toward where they would like to or need to be. In doing this work, as I've said, Joe frames this time of reflection and self-inspection as a call in rather than a call out. As human beings, it's our tendency to become defensive when a flaw of ours is exposed. We've got to cover it up fast. We throw up a shield, whether it's an excuse, a diversion, or simply lashing back. Spent any time in Facebook post comments, anyone? DMs? Or more personally, interactions with a significant other or family member that get heated? You see, Nathan comes to David as a trusted advisor. But he doesn't approach with arrogance, ready to come down holier than thou. He doesn't put David on blast. There's no ring of followers lining up in the comments demanding that he must be removed, that he's got to go. It's just Nathan and David, one-on-one, -on -one, with an honest message. And to his credit, David, a king, he doesn't rebuke Nathan, throw him out, imprison him. Although, it's hard to argue with a prophet of God. Now, certainly there are actions, there are consequences we have to face for our actions. Don't mistake that one bit. David was made clear what was going to happen and did suffer his consequences. What if nothing had happened to him? 
Who would he have gone after next? Or would his guilt finally catch up with him and cause him to change, to turn around? So, of course, there are instances in which an offending party or individual must be made to stop and go no further. Of course. But most of the time, is there space to wonder? Can we allow others to change? Can we allow ourselves to change? God gave David the grace to go on as king. I mean, Nathan laid it out there, everything that was going to happen, yet you will not die, Nathan said. Swallow that one. Nathan's message was brought with law, certainly, but also hope. We could contrast this with Jonah, as Pastor Natalia shared last week. Jonah resisted going to Nineveh in the first place because he knew God would not bring the harsh confrontation and judgment he would have liked to see. Jonah wanted to call out the Ninevites and see them face the music. He didn't want to allow them the opportunity for transformation. In a recent episode, the hosts of the podcast Cafeteria Christian wondered, how awful would it be if we were only labeled by the worst things we ever did or said? Again, make no mistake, we don't get to say, we're done growing, or I'm done learning, I'm perfect now. But as we've been hearing, this metanoia is an ongoing practice because God never gives up on us. The Father never gave up on his sons. God never gave up on Nineveh or Jonah. And yeah, David endures the consequences of his actions but remains king, which is hard to reconcile. But he remains a person changed, confronted by what he has done. and forced to go forward differently. So God confronts us again and again through the people and the circumstances in our lives, but always calling us in, calling us in with hope and the intent that our changes and transformations will move us away from harmful, negative actions and moving us toward more loving, and grace-filled reality. May we allow ourselves and others the grace to emerge from this messy in-between as something new and beautiful as God sees each and every one of us every day presenting us a new opportunity to change. Amen. And like a flood Mercy reigns Unending love Amazing grace My chains are gone